I remember I had this notebook with all everybody's phone numbers and I lost it. I gave it to my mom and she couldn't find it for 10 years. And after 10 years, it was irrelevant because I already had a whole different life and I just kind of cut that part out. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a fascinating guest today, and it's somebody that I actually knew for two years, at least two years, before I met her in person, in real life. It's so funny how life sometimes gets people together. I finally made it to New York, but we had spent endless hours on Zoom together because I was the Global Woman Director of New York, and she was one of the most faithful members there. But there is so much more about her. She is the founder of Anelay Cosmetics. She is a fantastic lady. She is a mother of six children, and she is just simply gorgeous. So welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Yelena Kalendareva. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So let's, I mean, Kalendareva is very clearly a name that comes from somewhere in the East. Where did you, where do you come from, Yelena? Where were you born? So it's actually, it's a very Russian last name. I was born in Kazakhstan. My mom is from Kazakhstan. My dad is from Uzbekistan. So we lived in Uzbekistan. So I come from there. You went to school there? Yeah, I went to school there. It was actually under Soviet Union former Soviet Union. And it was, and it's a communist country, right? So as I was growing up, Jews weren't really welcome there. I'm sure it changed now. It's a different world. But back then I didn't actually know I was Jewish, funny enough. So I had a lot of Christian friends. I didn't have any Jewish friends. There was nobody Jewish around me. And so I went to church with one of my friends and I didn't know. I mean, I didn't do anything they were doing. She just like, would you want to come with me? I said, okay, cool. And I would go there and they would have this whole mess with the, with the Mesa. How do you call it? The mess, whatever. Um, and, and they were giving out this little bread thing and like this, this, this steam going. And, and I was like, wow, it's very pretty in here. And so I would sit there and just watch. So I, I thought, I would have a a wedding in church. I would exchange my vows. That was my understanding. And even though in my household, we actually practice all the holidays, we were, but, but children weren't allowed to kind of know we're Jewish, at least in my family, for safety reasons, because God forbid, you know, something would happen. So I remember like yesterday, I was about maybe six years old. I was going to daycare. Daycare was across the street. And my grandmother kissed me on my forehead and said, if anyone asks you who you are, you're going to say you're a Soviet girl. I said, okay. So I actually grew up and it took me many, many years, even here in the U.S., to be to freely say that I'm Jewish. Even when I found out and I was living already a life for many, many years, worked with with my own people, my own people, whatever. I couldn't say freely to people that weren't Jewish that I'm Jewish. I didn't feel comfortable because it was so ingrained in me that it's not safe that I just, I guess, used my international look. I mean, people say I'm from everywhere. Um, I never actually mentioned it. And it took me a long time to actually say it. But um, yeah, so I remember that life. I remember the, you couldn't say whatever you wanted. You couldn't do whatever you wanted. It was a very strict, very disciplined country. I happened to have a beautiful childhood. We had everything we wanted growing up. Our parents somehow got all the groceries, even though all the shelves were empty most of the time. 
so I had a I had a beautiful childhood. In 1991, I believe, yeah, um, when Soviet Union fell apart, Uzbekistan became Uzbekistan, right? So all of us Russian-speaking kids, we were no, no longer under the Soviet Union, so we were supposed to learn the new language. It was a Muslim country, Uzbekistan. So we had to learn the hymn of the country. We had to suddenly learn the language. We had to completely restructure our life, and it was very difficult. It was so difficult. I remember crying. I was like, I can't learn this language. I don't understand this language. And I was very young. Um, I was very young. I was, what, nine or no, eight, something like that. And for me to actually be told, in, I remember sixth grade, we had a test. And a few of my friends stood in front of the teacher asking her questions while I was reciting the hymn of Uzbekistan. And I didn't know it. So I said the first two lines. And then she got distracted with my friends. We did that on purpose. And she gave me a three. A three was out of five. So five was the excellent. And then four was like a B. And three was like a C. So she gave me a C. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know, so little things like that, of course, um, it really shaped me for many, many years into my adulthood, that type of, yeah. Crazy. That is crazy not to be able to say that you were Jewish. That was one thing going back to that time. And quick question. Did you have one of those little bread things that they had at the, the, when they went? No, I never did. I was just sitting and waiting for her to finish. Because you're not supposed to have one. Unless no, you're, you're not supposed to. I found out it's like Jesus's flesh or something. I don't know. But I found out about it here in the United States. So thank God I didn't actually, you know, fully immerse. No, I didn't do anything there. I was just sitting. But well, it was fascinating to see. <laughs> I know I know lots of people who go to church and have one of those because they have no idea what the whole thing is about. And they just don't. Yeah. Um, very interesting. So, so you are telling me, and I didn't know that Uzbekistan, the language of Uzbekistan, your language was Russian because you were part of the Soviet Union. So you grew up speaking Russian. Yes. And then suddenly the language changed. What's the language? What is Uzbek? What's what Uzbek is it called? language? Uzbek. Uzbek language. What is it like? Is it very different to Russian? It's completely different. The everything is different. Wow. Yeah. Did you learn it? No, I never learned it. I maybe yeah. I know how to count until 10, but that's it. Okay. <laughs> so you then, you, you you shortly after that, you moved to the US. So it was 1995 when I moved. So I spent four years under the Uzbekistan, I guess, ruling, whatever. And back then, the the that president wasn't, wasn't really great to my knowledge, because I, I mean, I was little, but... And it wasn't such a, it wasn't a free country. I mean, everything was capped. Your, whatever you were making was capped. Whatever you could buy was capped. Let's say you're going to the store and you want to buy oil for cooking. You were allowed to buy half a liter per person per month. So if you were two people, you were allowed to have one liter per month. Eggs also were capped. Everything was like, it was, it was had a limit. Um, I remember walking into a store with my mother to buy eggs And my mom looking around and she's like, why is everything empty? And they're like, oh, we don't have any eggs. And my mom was so angry. She's like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on? So going from there to an enormous amount of food here in the United States was like, wow, this is, this is not even human. Like, it's just such a different world. Amazing. But I mean, that, that is just something that happened to so, so many people in this world, you know, just going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. So when you came to the US in 1995, did you speak English? No, I did not speak English. We started English 
it was like British English was taught there, not even English English, like American English. And it's totally different in accent, you know that. And so we started learning it and then we left. So it start, we started about sixth grade. And so when I came here, I didn't understand anything. So they put me in an ESL class and it was all Russian kids, Russian speaking kids. And so we're all there in a classroom and I'm frustrated because I don't understand it. And as a child, as a 12 year old, I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I was crying, but someone told me, why don't you turn on the news? And the way they're speaking is so correct and proper. You'll, you'll understand it. So it took me about three months to learn the language. So it wasn't so long, but it was an excruciating three months because I'm such a doer and goer and I want the result to be instant. It was very hard. Yeah. So, and also like 12 years is like the beginning of your teenage years and you have so many other things going on in your body and in your life. So the that is a lot. Well yeah. done. You I, came out good. <laughs> I had to say goodbye to all my friends. We weren't allowed to say we're going to the United States. It was not allowed because it was, it could have ended up like it was fatal potentially. Like you could have been murdered. Um, because so they had to be without saying it to anybody without saying no one. And I couldn't say goodbye to my friends. We just had to be quiet until the last minute. And even when we were selling things from the, like we were moving, so we're selling everything. My friends would be like, why are you, why is your house already empty? And I was like, I don't know where, I guess we're getting new stuff. We're not allowed to say anything. So I literally cut my life off, left it there. And I remember I had this notebook with all everybody's phone numbers and I lost it. I gave it to my mom and she couldn't find it for 10 years. And after 10 years, it was irrelevant because I already had a whole different life. And I just kind of cut that part out. So I actually had issue with, and I didn't know that I I recently figured it out that I had, I never really connected with everybody, with anybody on a personal level, because I always thought, well, they're going to leave. It's not going to be permanent. Right. So a lot of things in my life that shaped me weren't the right things from the root. You know, I really had to re restructure, reprogram myself over time. Fascinating. Did you ever go back? No, there's nobody there. I mean, I so, want to go to see the city. It's beautiful. Yeah, now. It's fantastic, yeah, but there's no yeah. one there. Amazing. I've actually done an interview with a lady recently who was cycling from Switzerland to Thailand and she went through Uzbekistan. And I'm going to need to listen to that episode again because I don't remember what she said, but I think she liked it. I think she said it was very Uzbekistan beautiful. is beautiful. It's a gorgeous yeah. country. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, this is, I never, you see, I have been listening to you about your cosmetic stuff for all these times, but I never knew that story and how that must have been so hard. That must have been so difficult. Not being, as a child, not being able to say that you're leaving, not being able to 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 also maybe look forward because you didn't know where you were going. I mean, you didn't know what it would be like where you were going. Did you know, did you have any idea what life would be in the US? No. face did you have um so we watched movies but you know everybody was telling us it's not the same it's different like you don't need anything you'll buy it over there and and like no one really and also even if they told us what do we know what like we're we were taken from one place and brought to another place and like kind of just thrown into the school um and we were just figuring it out as my parents were figuring it out you know for them they didn't learn the language either so people were just suggesting to them like for example when i went to public school and then they said hello you're you're jewish you need to go to private school jewish school yeshiva and my parents were like okay so when i finished seventh no seventh grade 
They put me in a private school, put me and my sisters in a private school. And over there, I learned Hebrew very fast. I started getting to know my Jewish roots. But the problem was that it's not wasn't the best school because every time I would ask a question, and I'm a curious George, they would be like, it's fine, just sit down. It's okay, just sit down. So I got very disappointed in Judaism. And I said, this is Judaism, I don't want it. And then I remember this math, they opened the high school for girls. It was all girls school and they opened the high school and they were trying to put the girls in there. Nobody wanted to go. So they started failing girls in eighth grade. So they would have no choice but to go to their high school. I was one of those girls that they failed in math. And I was like, mom, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And they said, well, if you don't want to go, we're going to have to leave you back one year. And if you go, you're going to move on to ninth grade. So I went for half a year. Every day I was crying my eyes out. And then finally, through literal scam, but I said that I don't speak English. And they had this one ESL program in one of the best schools in public schools here. And so they took me because, you know, I, I lied that I don't speak English. But the but the um, the principal said, listen, I'm looking at your grades. You're getting like 80s and 90s. You speak English, but whatever. Promise me you're going to be good for four years and I'll take you. And I was like, I will be fine. I'll be the best. Just take me. So my experience, even in from that school in Judaism and supposedly like the thing that I'm supposed to know and love wasn't good. So everything was everything was not building the way it was supposed to build. So I actually finished a four year public school, meaning boys and girls together. And after that, I didn't even want to look at anybody religious. Like I didn't even care. I was like, I don't care about what is it about? At one point, I wanted to become a Christian. This is like crazy what I'm telling you. I told my mother, I was like, I don't want to be part of this Judaism. I, I don't understand it. Nobody is answering my questions in school. And my mom said, are you out of your mind? What are you even talking about? You had bad experience in school. You're out of that school. It doesn't mean the whole thing is wrong. I remember I was 16 years old. And this was one of those big moments that really kind of, again, crushed me. I went to my father's cousin's wedding and we're standing there and we don't, we don't go to church, obviously, to extend us. We have our own, it's called hupa. So everybody's standing and I mean, sitting in the, and there's a hupa and it's a ceremony. And I'm leaning over to my mom and I'm like, when are we going to church to extend? When are they going to church to extend the vows? My mom looks at me, what church? What are you even talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? I wanted to have the wedding march playing and I'm walking down the aisle. And she's like, we don't do that. We're Jewish. This is it. I was like, no. I mean, my world kept crushing. Everything I knew was not real. Everyone I knew didn't, didn't exist anymore. Everything I thought I was, wasn't it. It was such a huge transformation. My teenagers were like everywhere. It was crazy. Yeah. So, oh my God, that is a <laughs> lot. And I mean, again, you know, these years when you are this age with all the hormones, the development, and then the world comes crushing down. So, but then I studied you a little more. Then at some point you studied psychology. Why did you study psychology? So I was always fascinated with the with psychology. I always was fascinated with the study of the brain, how the brain works, the way people were speaking sometimes. I'm always geared towards successful people, calm people, reserved people, intelligent people. And so as I was listening to them, they all had one thing in common. The way they speak changes your mind. And I was like, wow, you know what? I want to become a psychologist. So I went for psychology and somebody told me, don't go for psychology, go for mental health and human services. I said, okay. 
So as I was learning about it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I went through it and I got 4.0 GPA in my, you know, in my, uh, which is the highest you can get. And so when I, right before graduation, I was doing internship and I worked with a variety of different, they send you to different places to work. And I realized that it was, excuse me to all the psychologists out there, but it was too boring for me. I was like, I'm literally not going to do this for the rest of my life. So I loved the, I loved the concept of it, but I didn't like the work. I wanted to move and I wanted to create and I wanted to speak my mind. And I was, I was actually studying uh, behavioral psychology because I felt that was the most fascinating to me because it solved immediate problem. And this is how I am. I'm like, what do you need now? Let me help you right now. And then we're going to talk about your childhood. And so I went into business and when I went into a different college for a different major, I was in an accounting class and I was falling asleep. I was like, this cannot be my life. I hate accounting with passion. Sorry to you guys, accountants. God bless you, but I can't, I can't. So my, my cousin was actually learning accounting and I came to her every time. Could you help me with it? And then my, my best friend, she called me once and she said, what are you doing? go and become a cosmetologist. I said, what on earth is a cosmetologist? And she said, you're going to do hair and makeup and nails. And it's a beauty industry. I was like, I am not touching anybody's hair. I was one of those. Don't even talk to me about it. Ew. And she called me every day for a month. Her name is Lilia. Lilia, thank you. And so she's like, just go. Yeah. So she said, just go. And I said, fine. You know what? I called the school. She said, go to the one in Manhattan. That That's the most prestigious one. I walk in there. It's 9 PM. I'm very tired after work. And the woman is taking me from class to class. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just getting really getting rid of it out of my system. So Lilia, can you leave me alone? And then we come to the last class and I hear music playing and it's loud and I'm fascinating and I'm getting close to it. And I see all of these students are doing incredible hair, hairstyles and it's glitter and it's makeup and it's stunning. And I'm like, what is this? And she says, this is my graduating class. And I was like, I'm in. I want, (laughs) I want this. (laughs) I go home, I tell my parents and they tell me, are you crazy? You know, Russian parents, you're going to go from a psychologist to a barber. I was like, this is not a barber. This is a cosmetology. This is a PhD in beauty. They were totally against it. Everybody was totally against it. And I said, you know what? I don't care. Cause if I made a decision, that's what I'm going to do. So I went back to school. I gave, I left a hundred dollar deposit went back to my college, the second one. And I said, I need to transfer out because they're not taking me as long as I'm here. And they said, we can't do it because I was a good student. They didn't want to let me go. So anyways, um, I walked, like I went back and forth between the two schools and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to literally give up. Nobody's like, there's no hope here. And so I walk into the bursar's office for the final time at the Brooklyn college. And I'm like, I'm just trying to see what form am I, am I do I need to transfer out? And the lady picking up the phone calls and she's busy. She takes out the form. She puts it on a desk. It's an empty form. And she goes back to talk on the phone. I look at the form. I grab the form and I leave. I fill it out myself. I go to the cosmetology school and I said, would this be, would this be enough? That's all they gave me. And she goes, yeah, sure. It's just paperwork. <laughs> so you need to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna find a way and I found a way amazing and yeah. I think the rest is more or less history isn't it you started this journey of, of yeah uh, everybody came of, around sure 
Yeah, of course. I mean, when you look at you, they, when they look at you now and see how far you have come and uh, and and how successful you are. Now, Anale Cosmetics, that's the next that I mean, there is a lot in between. It you didn't start with that right away. You became, you learned and you 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 practiced and I also read somewhere that you you were working but then you met your husband and he didn't want you to work on a Saturday, right? Yeah, so this is a beautiful story actually. So I never dated anybody that wore you know, that little hat is called a keeper yeah. for Jewish men. I was like, I'm not dealing with anybody religious. I'm not religious. I'm good. And I was in a relationship with someone and we were engaged and we were about like, we were getting ready for the wedding. And then it didn't work out because we were so different. When I, like when we ended that relationship at the same time, the salon that my father bought me, the building went on fire. So all these two major events happened within like a couple of days. So I was completely crushed and I get a message from my current husband on one of the webs, like classmates.com, it was this Russian one. And he says, Hey, how are you? Like, what's up? And I'm like, who is this? I don't talk to anybody online. What are you nuts? And then my sister passed by and she's like, Oh my God, that's Daniel. I said, who's Daniel? And they did a skit together. And I was like, Oh yeah. Hi, how are you? And so we started talking and he's asking me, hey, what happened to the other guy? And I said, that's nobody's business. That's between us. I'm not going to talk about it. And we started going back and forth. We didn't think for a second that any of this would work out. As we're talking, I'm like, oh, my God, this is such a nice guy. Like, it's just a really great guy. So we're just talking. And then it was really short period of time was left before our birthdays. Our birthdays are two days apart. We're four years apart, but it's two days apart. So I was going to work and I was working on Saturdays. Of course, it was a busy day. And then I was doing uh, backstage shows. And for backstage shows, um, you start on, during the day on Saturday. So I was like thriving. I found my thing after the salon burned down. I was like, this is great. And so when I met him and then we, as we started dating, I'm just summarizing like literally everything. As we started dating and I started feeling, have feelings for him. And I was like, this is an amazing person, you know? And he said, you know, I would, eat, I'm not telling you what to do, but it would really mean a lot to me if you didn't work on Saturday. And I was like... Hmm. But with me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I'm like a firecracker. Like if you say it wrong way, it's an explosion. And I was like, let me think about it because it's a big step. I just started something new and I'm loving it. And so I was thinking about it and thinking about it. I was like, you know what? This guy's amazing. Like he's totally worth it, you know? And so I stopped working on Saturdays. And then as the time went on, we got engaged and we kept going. And he and I told him, listen, if we're going to make this work, Tell me your non-negotiables and I'll tell you my non-negotiables. Because if our non-negotiables can be like held up, upheld, then we're fine. But if I can't and you can't, I don't want, I don't want to move forward. So it just so happened that I was able to take this upon myself, like keeping Sabbath and and you know, like little things in the religion. And then he was able to do what I wanted to do in I guess non-religious aspect, but we didn't break any any religious rules. And so, yeah, and so. In the salon that I was working at that time, we were very busy on Saturday. So I told he he actually told me, what about the salon? Will you be able to stop working there? And I said, yeah. And so it worked out. So this is a very, very interesting situation because, first of all, there were non-negotiables. And, you know, like your your husband was much more religious at the time than you were at the time. And, um, you know, like I, I don't know much about Jewish people. I'm fascinated by them, have always been fascinated. 
But is that a modern situation or is it common that, you know, because we see these movies and we see this stuff where the man is fully in charge of everything. But in your case, that's definitely not the case. No. So is, no. It, is, your, is your relationship exceptional or is this normal? This is normal. Actually, movies never, I've never seen one movie with Jewish couples that actually told the truth. Let me just, I mean, Hollywood is Hollywood, right? It's all basically a lie and we don't live like that. There are certain sects in the culture, like everywhere else, right? Where they go way extreme, but that's not the case with us. Actually, my husband is my right and left hand and everything. He's helping me with the kids and and we juggle everything together, everything. Like he will, if I'm too tired, he'll stay up with all the kids all night. If he has to, he'll cook, he'll clean, whatever needs to be done. We're doing it together. So I wouldn't call it an exception. I would call it, you know, yeah, time has definitely changed since back in the day. Um, some families still live in an old-fashioned type traditional family. But well, so do us. other religions. You know, that's not... Every, the, that's it's everywhere. Not, it's literally yes. everywhere. Yeah. That's not. That's got nothing to do with religion. That's got not... So that that's with a mindset, you know. Correct. There are men who don't help. That that's that has nothing to do with being anything but... Uh, but but, but, but not a nice man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very fascinating. I liked that a lot. And then all the babies came. But when did you start down LA? Was it before you had children or was it while you had children? No. So I was, I, before I had children, I was working and I was doing a lot of facials and my clients kept asking, can we put makeup on? And I said, no, you can't put makeup on after facials and waxing. It's going to irritate your skin. And then I went on Google and I was like, okay, is there a company out there that I can bring into the salon and just offer my clients? And I couldn't find it. So this is when the idea came to me that I should try to find a chemist and ask him what I could do. And in my research, then I got married and then we had our first two children with our, our first two are 12 months apart. When my older one was a year and a half and my little one was a six months old, um, I actually found my chemist for the first time, the lab that I work with to this day. So it did, it actually came during my first two kids officially, you could say. Um, and then, of course, we had the other four over time. Um, but we always wanted to have a big family. You know, it wasn't like something we, oh my God, accidents. No, no, not at all. Like we actually wanted, we, Jewish people generally do have big families. This is our heritage. We, we are meant to procreate. And it's just that we don't go overboard. Like some people, they just, that's all they do. And some people have one or two kids. So there is no cap on it, but we actually wanted to have a big family. So it it, yeah, it, just, I mean, it took a while because while you 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 were built our businesses around our children, so we didn't choose our business ever over our kids. We never missed anybody's events, so it just took longer to grow, which I don't regret. But we've never missed a moment with our kids. So that is beautiful, and of course, the last two babies were twins, so that yes. added another two. That that added two number two to to, to the four. Yeah. Uh, how are they? They are what are they nearly one? How They're a little are... over one years old. A little over one already, because I've been, you know, you see, we've we've, we've been following <laughs> each other, and I have not. I remember when you had them, and yeah. how fast you were back on. You're you're such a, a tough cookie, Elena. You are amazing yeah. with all the work you do, with all the kids you have, with all the stuff you do. And I, for the people who are listening to us and who don't know Elena, you really, really have to follow her on social media because. 
she does the most amazing demonstrations of her cosmetics. And I mean, she does it with one hand and I think she holds the phone in the other hand. I don't know how she does it, but really, really fascinating. Thank you. And um, we also need to say that the name, where does the name Annelay come from? It's actually my name backwards. How did you think of that? You know, I was I when I started, I was like, I got to give it a name because you know, and I, I started Googling something French, like the beauty within was the original name and it was in French. And don't ask me what it was because I can't remember, but it was in French. And I was like, I wanted something fancy. And then my aunt called me and she's like, why just do something for yourself for once. Just, just make it your own. And I was like, two weeks I was thinking, and then I reversed my name and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty. NLA cosmetics and it flows. And I named it NLA cosmetics. And it flows very well and it sells very well. How did you start? How did you, you, once you had, so you met this guy, he made what you wanted. How many products did you start with? So I started with a line of foundations. I wasn't planning to do a makeup company at all. I just wanted to solve a problem with my customers. That's all I wanted to do. And couldn't. And put makeup on. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. wanted to put makeup on because when you do facials, it's red and it's exposed, whatever. And so I did, and we brought in, you know, these foundations and people loved it. And they were like, well, what about this? And what about the makeup? And what about the mascara? And over time, we just started adding more product to the line. Um, and then that's when I realized I was like, okay, I have to name it something because what am I put like, what is it? And that's how NLA was born. It was really born to solve a problem, not really to become a next lipstick brand. Cause God knows we don't need it. <laughs> You know, so yeah, it was actually, and it's, and it's powerful because this makeup is not your regular makeup. It's actually skincare makeup. So it helps with healing of the skin after these procedures. So that's the, you know, that's the uniqueness about it. And it's organic. And it's fully natural. It's organic. It's PETA certified, cruelty free. It's wonderful. And you have a, you have a website and you ship all over the world. Yes. Yes. We'll put the the link of the website in the show notes, and um, you know whoever maybe people may order. They should order from you because I got a gift when I was in New York. So that's the other part, of course. After two years of talking online and being on Zoom and being in all these meetings, I finally met Yelena at the Global Woman Meeting in New York, and it was wonderful. It was so it was so it's so funny then after a while to actually see that these people that you see on this flat screen they they are actually you know they are three- alive. <laughs> Yes. We're real. <laughs> yes. And um, so your kids are now, how old is your oldest boy? So he'll be 13 end of November. It's do actually his bar mitzvah year. Yeah. Do they know what they're going to do? Do they know? Do, do Are they going to be little psychologists or are they going to go into the family? No, company? actually, Benjamin, my oldest is such an amazing businessman. You will be laughing right now. He made his first $75 when he was like in, in first or second grade by selling candy that he got as gift on one of our Jewish holidays from the same kids. He just sold it back to them. I was like, that is fascinating. <laughs> that is amazing. Excellent. So there is, there is no worry for the future of the family. Yeah, I'm really tell proud me, of them. <laughs> tell me something else, because in most memorable journeys, we talk about um, the life journey, but we also talk about travel. Do you actually manage to travel with your six children? What do you do? Do you have you have you ever been on a plane with all? No, not with all of them. Well, not with the girls, not with the babies, but with my other kids. Sure. So when I was even before I was married, we always took family trips. We went to Dominican Republic, Mexico, Canada. We did a whole tour of Canada, went to Virginia. We hit a hurricane. 
hurricane on the way back from Virginia. I remember it was literally behind us, this, this swirling thing. And I was like, my father was driving. He's like, oh my God, please don't get us. I mean, we had an amazing time. So with my boys, we, tra- I mean, we traveled locally. I never w- took them overseas because it's hard for me to travel long distances, which we actually want to go to Israel this year for my son's bar mitzvah. So let's, you know, see how that goes. But yeah, we, we've done a lot of family trips. We went to, mostly we travel with my kids to Miami, to Orlando, to Disney World. Um, as they're going to get older, I do want to take them to different countries because I think it's pretty. But for the past year that my girls were born, I would not, I didn't want to travel no. with them. I was you like, not just let, let me at least get them to eat regular food, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I traveled with my kids because they were from another, you know, because I'm from another country. So I wanted to go and show them in Switzerland. But before they were like two years old, apart from that, going from one home to the other, it's not worth it. They don't really enjoy it. But, um, you know, Israel mm-hmm. is only a 40 minutes flight from where I am in Cyprus. Really? So and yes, I'm very far down in the Eastern Mediterranean. I'm like literally 40 minutes away from Tel Aviv. So when you go to that bar mitzvah, you need to tell me. Oh my God. Of course I'll tell you. That's amazing. I didn't know. Where would you go to bar mitzvah to Israel because you're Jewish or could you, you could do the same thing in, in Brooklyn? Oh, you can right? do it anywhere. It's just, there's yeah. a Western wall, you know, that it's a spell, that wall. Yes. And yes. so to actually, we, the boys, they, they put a tefillin on, you know, around their arm. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So yeah. if you do it next to the wall, it's just very special, but it's not necessary. Not everybody goes. No, you could do it's it that black. It's that black band that they wrap yes. around the arm. There are yeah. so many things that fascinate me so much that I would really, really like to know more. But you have already told me quite a bit. And, you know, the thing is that and I feel that in this world where there are so many, so many taboos, we need to talk. We need to talk because because it's it's ignorance that creates racism instead oh, of instead of realizing that when you start talking to people about all these things and you find out and you have fun. We have more similarities than differences, honestly. Of course, of course. Of course we do. We and, do. And, and, you know, when we talk, I noticed that I always say that because I was a tour guide and I've traveled all over the world. And women, when women start talking to each other, we end up realizing that we have the same problems, all of us. We worry about our kids. My, my, like right now, my son went to China and he's only been there for two days and I want to make sure that he's happy. We all we all have, you know, it, it's yeah. we're all the same. Literally all the same. And so many religions share the same common goal, literally, like just it's incredible to me. Like, what are we even fighting? Like, what is all this media talking about? It's yeah. so not fair to the people that are actually normal, <laughs> which are no. most of us. Most people no, but are. You see, the media is here to spread fear so we can have more anxiety pills and more, um, you know, people eat more fast food because that calms them down. And it's it's a, that's another story. That's a long story. That would yes. be another podcast series. So we're coming, we were, time flies when you're having fun. We're coming to the end. If we, if, if you could wish, if you could take the four of the six of them and your husband, where would you, apart from Israel, Israel is one thing where you want to go. Do you have a dream destination? Where would you like to go? You know where I always wanted to go? I wanted to go to Spain. I just feel so like cold to Spain. It's weird, but I just, I always wanted to do that. So that's on my list. Excellent. You haven't been. No, I've never been. 
So that's a, well, that's one thing to look forward. And we know in, in our world, you know, in the in the world of coaching and manifesting, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words before we end? You know what? Continue being dreamers and goal setters. You know, um, don't worry about every little thing that's happening around you because most of it is, is all false. So um, I always say that anything bad that's happening in this world is parallel to me. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not interested in it. I'm not even looking at it, reading on it. So if you want to create your reality, just look forward to that reality and nothing else. Like have that linear vision, just one way. So mostly like what you post all the time, you know, you really do create those wings for people when you post and I really appreciate them. So that's really my message. Be yourself, find out who that is, find out who yourself is, you know, and be it because you're going to attract people that really need it. You don't know who you're saving. So that is amazing. That is beautiful. And talk to people. You see, yeah. this is find out about other people, be interested. And that's what I did. Thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys today, Yelena Kalendareva. Kalendareva, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It was a pleasure. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.